Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the Forgotten Origins of Fairy Tales, the podcast where I look into the truth behind our best-loved children's stories. But first off, I just wanted to say hello to all the new listeners out there, because over the last week, the listenership of this podcast has doubled, which is crazy and very exciting. So hello to everyone who's just joined. I really appreciate you choosing this podcast. And secondly, I've got a new microphone, so the sound quality is better, I can control the input level, uh, and I don't have to be crouching over the mic to get a good sound, so it's been a very good week. But what are we talking about this week? Well, actually, it's another dark one, surprise, surprise, but more than dark, it's actually really sad. And this is by far the most obscure tale I've looked into, and many of you may not even have heard of it. The Little Matchstick Girl was written in 1845 by Danish author Hans Christian Andersen, who we've met before because he wrote The Little Mermaid. And it was published nine years after Andersen's friend and colleague Charles Dickens finished Oliver Twist. And the little matchstick girl shed a light on a very oppressed and silent group in Europe. It's children. It was terribly cold and nearly dark on the last evening of the old year, and the snow was falling fast. In the cold and the darkness, a poor little girl with bare head and naked feet roamed through the streets, It is true she had on a pair of slippers when she left home, but they were not much use. They were very large, so large indeed that they had belonged to her mother. And the poor little creature had lost them in running across the street to avoid two carriages that were rolling ahead at a terrible rate. One of the slippers she couldn't find, and a boy seized upon the other and ran away with it, saying he could use it as a cradle when he had children of his own. So the little girl went on with her little naked feet, which were quite red and blue with the cold. In an apron, she carried a number of matches and had a bundle of them in each hand. No one had brought anything from her for the whole day, nor had anyone even given her a penny. Shivering with cold and hunger, she crept along, poor little child. She looked like the picture of misery. The snowflakes fell on her long fair hair, which hung in curls on her shoulders, but she regarded them not. Lights were shining from every window, and there was a savoury smell of roast goose, for it was New Year's Eve. Yes, she remembered that. But in a corner between two houses, one of which projected beyond the other, she sank down and huddled herself together. She had drawn her little feet under her, 
that she could not keep off the hot cold and she dared not go home, for she had sold no matches at all and could not take home even a penny of money. Her father would certainly beat her. Besides, it was almost as cold at home as here, for they had only the roof to cover them. Perhaps a burning match might be some good. If she could draw it from the bundle and strike it against the wall, she could just about warm her fingers. She drew one out. Scratch! How it spluttered as it burnt. It gave her a warm, bright light like a candle, and she held it over her hand. It had a wonderful light. It seemed to the little girl that she was sitting by a large iron stove with polished brass feet and a brass ornament. How the fire burned, and seemed so beautifully warm that the child stretched out her feet as if to warm them, when the flame of the match went out, the stove vanished, and she had only the remains of a half-burnt match in her hand. She rubbed another match on the wall. It burst into a flame, and where its light fell upon the wall, it became transparent as a veil, and she could see into the room. The table was covered with a snowy white tablecloth, on which stood a splendid dinner service and a steaming roast goose stuffed with apples and dried plums. And what was still more wonderful, the goose jumped, down from the dish and waddled across the floor with a knife and fork in its breast to the little girl. But the match went out, and there remained nothing but a thick, damp, cold wall before her. She lit another match, and then found herself sitting under a beautiful Christmas tree. Thousands of tapers were burning upon a green, upon the green branches, and coloured pictures like those she had seen in show windows looked down upon it all. The little one stretched out her hand towards them, and the match again went out. Then she saw a star fall, leaving behind it a bright streak of fire. Someone is dying, thought the little girl. For her grandmother, the only one who had ever truly loved her and who was now dead herself, had told her that when a star falls, a soul is going up to God. She again rubbed a match on the wall and the light shone around her. In the brightness stood her old grandmother, clear and shining, yet mild and loving in her appearance. "'Grandmother!' cried the little one. "'Oh, take me with you. "'I know you will go away when the match burns out. "'You will vanish like the warm stove, "'the roast goose and the large glorious Christmas tree.' "'And she made haste to light the whole bundle of matches, "'for she wished to keep her grandmother there with her. "'And the matches glowed with the light that was brighter than the noonday, "'and her grandmother had never appeared so large and so beautiful.' She took the little girl in her arms, and they both flew upwards in brightness and joy far above the earth, where there was neither cold, nor hunger, nor pain, for they were with God. In the dawn of morning, there lay the poor little one, with pale cheeks and smiling mouth, leaning against the wall. She had been frozen to death on the last evening of the year. So there we go. Although this is a pretty morbid insight into the reality of poverty in the 1840s, 
it also has most of the elements we need for a fairy tale. The wishes, the visions, the unlikely heroine, the caring maternal figure, and a somewhat happy ending, be it pretty morbid. The Little Matchstick Girl is also applauded by many contemporary children's authors for tackling the topic of death really well for young children, whilst highlighting the importance of hope, no matter how dire your circumstance. It also promotes the importance of charity and kindness, which are both seriously lacking in this tale. And Anderson's essay spoke out for exploited children sent by their parents to beg on the streets and for children of all economic brackets living at the time when one out of every two children routinely died before the age of 12, sorry, before the age of five. Yikes. So where did Anderson get his inspiration for this tale? Well, actually, there are two influences. The first was a drawing by Joe and Thomas Ludby, depicting a young girl sitting alone on the pavement. Apparently, Anderson saw this drawing in 1844 and became obsessed with the girl's gaunt silhouette. And the second and more important influence comes from Anderson's real-life experience. It's said that the author travelled around Copenhagen as a penniless student in the early 19th century before his career in children's stories really took off, sleeping in crowded rooms and often going for days without food. And it was from his window across the square that he saw a child sitting night after night selling matches and cigarettes. But night after night she would sit and weep having barely sold any. And Anderson actually was sent away by the landlord for not paying rent, so he never knew what happened to the young girl. But we can see from the story that he wasn't optimistic for her. And though this tale doesn't have the rich backstory of some of the others I've covered, like Cinderella and Snow White, it feels like it's overlooked a lot in the UK anyway. So I thought it was a good one to highlight in this podcast series. Because it helped bring about an age in which child exploitation was highlighted through literature and brought to the attention of the masses. So stories like these and a lot of Charles Dickens were incredibly important. Well, thanks for listening. I I hope you found it interesting. Next week, I'm looking into one of my favourite children's stories. And that is Peter Pan. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with friends and family. And don't forget to check out my Instagram at Forgotten Origins Podcast. That's all one word, Forgotten Origins Podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.